Mama Mystery. I'm your co-host, Austin Evans. Will you just chill? This is not Come that on, type of podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. We just had to restart nine minutes in because, of, man, if you know, you know. You'll have to talk to Kelly about it. Oh and God. now here we are, number two. Might have to restart number Alright, I'm your co-host, Austin Evans, Mama Mystery. This is Kelly Evans. Oh my god, Evans. Kelly Evans. This is the third time we've had to act surprised. We're, oh we're my god, married. we're married. We got married on a Wednesday because we had the club going up. On a Wednesday. Had your girl in the club. She ain't choosy. She ain't choosy. Is she that is, maybe. Is? I don't freaking know. I don't listen to that. Let's dive that. in. This is take three. Take one. Was a bust. I can't remember why. Take oh, two. You can't remember why? You got inappropriate. That's why. No, take two was. Come on. <laughs> Stop it. This is take three. Run it. Tell us the story and let's roll. Jeez. I'm going to be quiet listening for a little bit while we catch up to where we were before because I'm curious what happens. Oh my God. It is 8 15 at night and he's so hyper. I don't so know why. Good. I'm so sorry, guys. Anyway, today we're talking about the murder of Cassie Joe Stoddart. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Detroit. Okay, so this story is one of the more infuriating stories that I have ever come across, mainly because the two boys involved in this story are so childish and immature that it actually blows my mind that they carried through with this crime and then had the audacity to think they could get away with it. Um, It is beyond senseless. It just makes me so sad. It makes no sense. So I'm eager to hear how you react to it. You can't fool the FBI, ladies and gents. You just can't do it. And if you think you can, can it. And, and let me just put this in as a disclaimer. The FBI doesn't get involved in piddly shit, and that's exactly what this is. This is piddly shit. These boys were idiots, okay? It took less than seven days Run to it. close this. Run it. Kelly could have closed it in six. I could have closed it in seven minutes. Wow. I could throw a football over the mountains. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to start this story in Pocatello, Idaho, at Pocatello High School. Pocatello was a relatively small, quiet, and mostly Mormon town. Cassie Jo Stoddard was 16 and a junior at Pocatello. I say it differently every time I say it. Pocatello High School. She was a straight-A student. She was gorgeous, had long brown hair, um, beautiful skin. She was so pretty. Um, She was very well-liked. And she had two siblings, a younger brother and an older sister. For most of her childhood, she and her younger brother lived with their grandparents, but they still remained very close to their mom. And I'm not sure why they were sent to live with their grandparents, but it doesn't seem to be for any sinister type of reason. Um, They still had a very close relationship with their mom. She had a boyfriend of about five months named Matt, and they'd mostly spend time at Cassie's house just hanging out. Cassie seemed to be pretty low-key from what I've gathered through my research, She was also really responsible. Like I said, she had straight A's in school, and at the time, she was 16, and she was saving up money to buy her first car. So she would babysit and house sit for family members to make money, and Cassie had an Aunt Allison and Uncle Frank who had kids of their own, and she'd often go over there to babysit. One weekend, this family planned to go out of town and ask Cassie if she could house sit and take care of their pets. So Cassie, eager to prove that she was responsible and also to make some money, accepted the job. So it's the weekend of September 20th of 2006, and Cassie's mom drops her off at the aunt and uncle's house on Whispering Cliffs Drive. Which sounds like something that would be in the series of unfortunate events. Yeah. I never watched those movies. 
it's a movie, and I watched it with the kids last week, and I read the books when I was younger, and it's just kind of a spooky, kind of a cheesy, weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and at the time that this took place, the Scream movie franchise was a big deal. Which Scream? I just told Kelly, I had a freaking mask that you squeezed a little pump and blood would run down the Scream mask. And I also told Kelly that I wish I could wear one of those. I want to start wearing one of those masks or like a mask like that in public where they're asked to wear masks because you're asked to wear a mask. They don't specify what kind of mask. What kind of mask. And also one more thing. Kelly had never heard of these. So maybe you guys have. They're called SPFX masks. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Special effects, but it's called SPFX masks. I remember I really wanted them when I was younger. And they're crazy authentic. Like, they fit really, really skin tight. Yeah, realistic. Like, you pull them down over your head, and, like, they're tough to get on. We have to look them up after this. And, like, for a while there was a, like, a young white guy that was using an old black guy mask. And then he had on, like, they make these hands that, their gloves that look like real hands. And, like... People were looking for this bank robber that was supposedly this black guy in his 60s or something. And he was a white guy in his 30s or something. He finally got caught. Yeah, and he was wearing those masks. He was wearing the masks. That's crazy that he could, like, actually fool people that they were that realistic. Yeah, they're wild. And they're really cool. You should look them up. Don't rob a bank, though. If you do, it's not on us. If you get any money, don't call us about it. All right. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of those commercials. Have you ever seen that guy with the commercial that goes, "I got, I got this car for sale. It's got doors, wheels, tires, windows, and locks. We're slashing prices on this miniature van. <laughs> Call now. And if my mom answers, don't mention the van." <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen it. They're great. <laughs> I prefer your version already. I, I want to make a Fit Republic commercial like that. You should. We got protein, fat burners, call now, we got deals going on. If Corey answers, don't mention the fat burners. Oh it's just, God. but somebody would it's be like, why? So but it's so random, guy. I love it's it. so random. Anyways, right. let's get back to back Mama Mystery. Track. Old Whispering Creek Road. Whispering Cliffs Drive. Whispering, whispering Quick Boulevard. Let's oh go God. on. Okay. They tell stories so good. The the house was pretty secluded. It was one of those areas where houses were placed on quite a bit of acreage, so they were all kind of spread apart. Um, Cassie asked her aunt Allison if it was okay if her boyfriend came over for a little bit to watch a movie. So Matt comes over. <laughs> Sorry, I'm giggling because this is where things went south last time. I'm not saying where I plead the fifth. <laughs> if if you're not going there, yeah. We're not going there. They, they were 16 and 17 years old, and they were simply watching movies. <laughs> That's what we're going to say. Go That's ahead. That's what we're sticking with. Jeez. Okay, so anyway. I had no idea. Matt comes over, and they're getting ready to watch a movie when Matt invites his two friends, Tori and Brian, over to join them. Cassie knew the boys, and they were all kind of friends. And I use that term loosely because from what I've gathered, it seems like Cassie was friends with them by default because Brian and Tori were friends with her boyfriend, Matt. So when Matt invites them over, she's kind of irritated by that. And, um, you know, she had only asked her aunt if Matt could come over. And I imagine she was also not intending to spend time with these two extra um, adolescent boys. boys. Yeah, who are annoying. <clears throat> and So sh- yeah. Matt, <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing it again. <laughs> I didn't literally say a word. If you're listening to this and you recorded, I got nothing recorded on me. All I ever said was they were watching a movie. So you know what? Can it? Don't put words in my mouth. I'm talking to you. Austin. No, I'm talking to, not talking to you. I'm talking to you. 
Yeah, you. All right. No, I'm not you. I'm talking to you. Okay, Austin. The listener. This is not a comedy podcast. This is a true crime podcast. True crime, real crime, scary crime with Kelly. Let's go, baby. So they're on Whispering Creek Boulevard. Matt, no. Austin, I was like a while back. Oh, I know. I'm just joking. The friends are over I got that. The friends are over. Let's run it. I'm going to shut up. I plead the fifth. Help me. Okay. Matt assures her that it's only going to be them and it's not going to be a big party or anything like that. They're just coming over to watch a movie. So when Tori and Brian arrive, they start watching Kill Bill. And at one point, Brian and Tori decide they're bored. <laughs> Guys, I can't. Go, oh, babe. They decide they're bored and what? Austin. I plead the fifth. I'm not even saying anything. This is seriously going nowhere. This is so bad. I am so sorry. So anyway, I'm going to just block Austin. I'm not even going to look at him. Ryan and Tori decide that they're bored and want to leave and go to a movie theater instead. So they leave. (laughs) Austin, stop. Okay, so they leave. And Cassie is understandably relieved by this. And her and Matt get back to watching the movie. Okay, they're watching a movie. They're doing nothing else. Stop. Grow up. Okay, so about 15 minutes later, the power suddenly goes out, and Cassie is nervous, and Matt's trying to calm her down, and then after a few minutes, some of the power comes back on, but not all of the power. Dun, dun, dun! I scare you. Yes! (laughs) You guys should have seen her jump. Oh, my God. Keep going, babe. Power comes back on. We're listening. Everybody's listening. This is our worst episode No, it's not. They're listening. They love it. So after a few minutes, some of the power comes back on. Cassie is freaked out by this, so she urges Matt to please stay with her. Matt calls his mom and asks if he can spend the night with Cassie to keep her comfortable. But at 16, Matt's mom... Absolutely not. Yeah. You get your ass home. Yeah. You get your ass home right now, Matthew. She says, I was not born yesterday. You're not spending the you night You think with I girlfriend. fell off a turnip truck yesterday? You get your ass home. That's what she said. Basically. So, according to Matt, one of the dogs was also acting kind of odd. He was standing by the stairs in the house. The dog was. Just staring at the stairs and barking. Great. He'd go back and forth from the living room to the stairs. And Matt found the behavior of the dog odd, but didn't really do anything about it or think anything of it. So at 11 p.m., Matt's mom arrives to pick him up, and he asks his mom one more time if he can stay there and tries to explain why Cassie felt scared. Matt's mom, again, you says... You get your ass home. No, oh. but offers that Cassie could come stay at their house, and then she could bring Cassie back in the morning. He tells Cassie this, but Cassie declines... <clears throat> excuse me. But Cassie declines because... It was her responsibility to stay at the house, and she's being paid to do that. So she just didn't feel right leaving. Responsible girl. Yeah, she's being responsible. That's good. She is responsible. That's good. A good girl. That's good. So Matt leaves, and Cassie turns on a movie. She's just going to hang out by herself. She's on the couch in the living room, and she starts to relax, and everything seems fine when the power goes off again. She stays put, patiently waiting for the power to come back on, and... I'm trying to think of what I would do in a situation like this. Mind you, she's 16, okay? And she's at her aunt and uncle's house. She's not at her own house. iPhones aren't around where there's a flashlight. It was 2006, so iPhones were around. Not with a flashlight. I don't know if they had a flashlight or not. But if I was home alone in someone else's house and their power went out, personally, I think my instinct would be to go find the circuit breaker or maybe check online for power outages. However... 
I can see why someone else might not. Especially in a big house on Old Whispering Creek Boulevard. Yeah, but she didn't have a car. She would just like run outside. Oh, I guess that's true. Man, that'd be creepy. So creepy. It's like your worst nightmare. And she's thirteen or she's sixteen. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty scary. Right? I mean, Especially when terrifying. screams big and they've been watching scary movies all night. Yes. And it's already there's already been weird stuff going on and now she's there by herself. It's just creepy. Not like that. So, um, yeah, and you know, she, it's a house she's unfamiliar with, so who knows if she even knew where the circuit breaker was. Like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's all just a recipe I don't think many 16-year-old girls would know where to break a box is. Probably not. That's the other thing yeah. I have to keep thinking is she's 16. Yeah. Like, she I has probably no idea what to do in a situation is. like that. What the heck would you do in a situation like that? Yeah. So anyway. That's a Napoleon Dynamite reference, guys. So a little time goes by, and the power never comes back on. Cassie is still waiting on the couch when... Two guys dressed in all black wearing masks quietly come up the stairs, and when they reach the top, they open and slam a closet door to no, scare Cassie. That gave me the goosebumps. Because that's messed up. Why would you do yeah, that? It's messed up. She sees them and notices they have on these clown masks, but they're like bloody clown Man, masks. Man, why would you do this to somebody? And they're armed with hunting knives and a dagger. Cassie jumps to her feet, asking who they are, and reportedly says she's going to kick their ass. But they Whoa. attack her. They force her to the ground and brutally stab her almost 30 times. Oh, no, I got goosebumps. Why did this story take this turn? With nine of those stab wounds being fatal. Oh my gosh, why did this story go this way? I didn't know it was going to go like this. You didn't know? It's the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddard. I guess I, I just... literally titled it in the very beginning. I didn't think it was just going to... This gonna... is a murder true... True... True crime podcast. I know, but I didn't expect the murder to be so point blank. I thought it'd be kind of... That's vicious and obvious. Okay, well, sorry. I've upset you. Good Lord, Jandis. So, they leave her there to die. Their getaway car was parked down the road. And once they reach it, they get in and immediately turn on a video camera and start recording no. their reaction to what they've done. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. The two murderers are none other than Matt and Cassie's friends, Tori Adamchik and Brian Draper, the boys that were just there earlier. So here what? is a recording of what they said immediately following... I'm wondering if everybody's as floored as I am. Immediately following the murder. Gosh, this is, I don't even like this. This is like make you sick, piss you off, mad. That's exactly, exactly what you said. That's exactly what I said. This is ridiculous. These idiots. I, I don't even know if I'm going to participate in another one of these. This is crazy. I'm laughing inside, I'm joking, but that's yeah. messed up. It's so fucked up. So what these, the heck? these two douchebags responsible for taking Cassie's life that night had actually been planning this for a while. They would get together at school and record themselves. And this is before vlogging was really a thing, but that's what they were doing. They recorded interactions with Cassie at school. They recorded themselves while, while they planned this idea for a horror film. And ultimately they recorded themselves after playing out their screenplay. 
Apparently, they were huge fans of the Scream movie franchise and wanted to create their own horror film. And at one point, a friend, like a mutual friend of theirs at school, said they overheard Cassie one time. They were all talking about this horror film they were going to make. And Cassie said, if you do make it, I want to be in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Awful. And she was in it. They even had a list of victims that they wanted to kill, and Cassie was second on that list. The first person that was allegedly on the list wasn't home that night. So by the grace of God, that girl's life was spared. This is horrible. The night after the murder, Brian and Tori hang out with Cassie's boyfriend, Matt. They're all hanging out at Matt's house, and Matt tried to call Cassie multiple times, but she never answered. So Matt asked... uh, was it Brian or Tori? I can't remember who was over there. Um, if he would drive Matt to Cassie's aunt and uncle's house to see if she was okay. And he said he couldn't because he didn't have enough gas in his car. Oh, it was Tori. Tori said he couldn't because he didn't have enough gas in his car. But all the while, Tori knew Cassie was laying on the living room floor dead. And he's hanging out with her fucking boyfriend, acting like he has no idea what's going on with Cassie. This is so ridiculous. So, um... You tell stories so vivid, and, like, I can picture it all going down, like, to a T, and, oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty awful. So, um, when the family got home, the 13-year-old cousin was the one who found Cassie, which was absolutely awful, traumatic, horrible for this 13-year-old to find her. So, um, obviously, the police are called. The family is sequestered to, I think, a hotel for, like, two weeks while they investigate the whole crime scene and everything. And um, immediately, once cops knew that Matt was the last person to hang out with Cassie, like, that's who they knew. The family knew Cassie was hanging out with Matt because she had asked the aunt. So they turned to him. So they turned to Matt. They questioned him, and he didn't seem to have any emotion, which really raised red flags to the cops. They asked him what happened that night, and Matt explains that he was at Cassie's house watching a movie, that Brian and Tori came over for a little bit, but they left. And he tells the police... That after he left Cassie's, he calls Tori to see where they were, but he could barely hear them because Tori was whispering, saying they were at the movie theater. And he tells... But they were probably at the house. Well, yeah, they were at the house, and they were trying to whisper Uh so that Cassie wouldn't hear them. Because when he said they left, they never really left. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. So, um... I hate this. So now the cops have two more people on their radar and bring Brian and Tori in for questioning. Time out. Mm-hmm. If you put yourself in that Matt's shoes, yeah. like when it says he was sort of emotionless mm-hmm. about it, like I feel like you're still trying to process everything. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. think that's suspicious. I don't either. I think that was just their initial reaction. Because he was less, yeah. Because they didn't know yeah. who, where else to go. And you also have to think, he has no idea his friends did this. So I wonder if in his mind he was thinking... God, that could have happened to me too. If right. I could have been there, I could have been with her. You know what I mean? Or maybe he also has survivor's guilt knowing that you know right. he wasn't there to protect her. I mean, it's a horrible thing for Matt to go through also. Mm-hmm. So um, they bring in Brian and Tori for questioning, and they realize that the boys love scary movies and love filming movies. They also find out that Brian kind of had a crush on Cassie, which made things a little weird since she was obviously taken by one of his friends. And Brian describes himself as a loser and an outcast, which is 100% correct, and that he had a really hard time fitting in in high school. And listen, 
I don't give a shit if you have a hard time fitting in in high school. It doesn't mm-hmm. give you any excuse to just go murder someone randomly that did nothing to you. Like, I don't feel bad for you if you mm-hmm. go and do something like that to, like, rectify your upbringing or your high school experience. Like, I feel like everyone has a shitty high school story or experience. I do. Like, I had plenty of times where I was bullied for random things and right, or treated does. like shit. It never gave me an excuse to go hurt somebody else let alone murder somebody. Like, that is no excuse. I don't feel bad for you. You can just rot. So, anyway, when cops ask about the night Cassie died, the boys explain that they thought there was going to be a house party at Cassie's and that when they got there and realized it was boring, they left to go see the movie Holes featuring Shia LaBeouf. Ooh, A-R-M-P-I to the T. What is that you smelling, dog? That's me. I don't take showers and I don't brush my teeth. Because all I do is dig holes, eat, and sleep. It's a good movie. <laughs> Let's go ahead, babe. Guys, when I do that and I interrupt the podcast like that, you should see Kelly look at me. It's so cute and pissed. <laughs> cute. Go ahead. So anyway, they had ticket stubs to prove... I had to put a little brightness in this thing. Yeah, I started out like joke. really hyped and happy. You had no idea. The and first then it round, tanked. Listen, we didn't get that far. We didn't get that far. And then, so all the joking and the laughing, all was because we'd already said that part, but he had no idea what was coming. Yeah, and now it ruined everything. So I'm just trying to brighten things up. This is sad. Womp, womp, womp. Holes is a great movie. Okay, so anyway. Stanley Yelnats. And his last name is Yelnats, and it's Stanley backwards. Stanley Yelnats. Do the math. I already did. All right. Go ahead. Anyway, um, so they had ticket stubs to prove they were at the movies. Okay. So two days later, the cops bring in all three boys again, and they start off with Matt. They give him a polygraph and ask if he has had anything to do with Cassie's murder. He says no and passes with flying colors. So they back off of Matt and move on to Brian. They ask him again what they did that night, and he repeats that they went to the movies with Tori, or that he went to the movies with Tori. So they ask him to describe the movie, and they're saying, like, what's it about? And he's like, um, I don't know. It was, like, really boring. And then they said, okay, who's in the movie? And he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know who was in the movie. It was boring. That's all I remember. And they're like, can you tell us anything about the movie? You just recited some music lyric about armpits. And how many years has it been since you saw that movie? Oh my gosh, like 10. We got to watch it. They're, they're claiming to have seen it like a few nights prior and can tell you nothing it's about the movie. It's a great movie. These idiots. Like thought they had this idiots. alibi. Like, idiots. <laughs> These idiots. You said idiots so fast. Idiots. These idiots had no idea what this movie was about, but like thought they had this foolproof alibi. Like, yeah, we're gonna go get these movie stub tickets, and that'll prove that we were there, even though we didn't see the movie. Watch a trailer, you idiots. Oh, you dumb boys. They're so dumb. And I'm not encouraging anyone to like, you know, do their research better so they can get a, get away with murder better. I'm just pointing out how fucking stupid these idiots are. Enough with the F-bombs, babe. Listen, it's my podcast. It's my podcast and you can leave. You can leave. If you don't like it, you can leave. So, investigators then go to the movie theater and they come across a girl who was working at the ticket booth that night. They ask her if she recognizes the boys and she's like, yeah, I know them. I go to school with them. They ask if they were there that night, and she says, no, I definitely would have remembered them if they were here, and they definitely were not here. That wasn't too tough, boys. Mm. 
So then they bring in Brian for questioning, and Brian is a mess. He breaks down and starts to cry. He tells them that at one point while they were watching the movie, Brian snuck off to use the bathroom, but really he went to the back door to unlock it. He said the plan all along was just to scare Cassie and play a prank on her. So when they left, they actually just went to the car and changed into their masks and then came right back inside. Once they snuck in, they started with messing with the circuit breaker to scare Matt and Cassie. But then Matt left and they continued to mess with Cassie. They thought for sure she would come downstairs and that if she did, they would just scare her. And Brian says Tori started to get super psychotic saying, let's do it. Let's get her. Let's kill her. Just like getting crazy. And Brian says Tori was the one that attacked Cassie. He says he didn't do anything to Cassie and that it was Tori who killed Cassie. And here's a side note. Brian eventually does admit to stabbing Cassie twice after he knew she was already dead because he said Tori threatened to kill him if he didn't participate. So after he admits this to the cops, he takes the cops to the site where they took the knives, masks, and videotapes that they buried. Cops find black boots, the creepy clown masks, tons of knives, matches, and then some workout gloves with the fingertips missing, which that part cracked me up because I'm just like, you... Idiots. Like, if the point is to disguise your fingertips, you need gloves that cover your fingertips. Like, what is the point of, like, these callus-protecting gloves? So dumb. They're so dumb. Anyway, and they also find the videotapes. All the videotapes of them planning and leading up to the murder and after the murder. These videotapes were basically a taped confession In the film, they show their premeditation, saying things like, Cassie is the chosen one, she's our friend, but we all have to make sacrifices, blah, blah, blah. And I actually have another I don't like listening to these. These are morbid. I'm closing my ears, guys. Well, this is is beforehand. And I actually want you to listen to it because of just how immature they sound. I just, it's so, ooh, I really don't like listening to it. Okay, well, I'm going to play it anyway. But at the same time, I'm just like, man, you guys, I just, I hate it, but their immaturity and the way that they talk, saying like, oh, I'm horny just thinking about it. Hell yeah. I'm just like, man, I, it just like enrages me. Yeah. It just makes me even more mad. So there's really no way around this. These boys are screwed. Cops have everything they need to charge them with first degree murder. They showed premeditation. They both played equal parts in this, and on September 27th, 10 days, or I'm sorry, seven days after the murder, they were both arrested. So in trial, neither really had a defense other than that they were acting and making their own horror film, but it doesn't take much to convince a jury that they were both guilty. They have the videotapes, they have the DNA on the evidence, like it's a done deal. They received 
um, life in prison Hopefully. without. Oh, good. Yeah, life in prison without the possibility of a, of parole and thirty years for conspiracy to commit murder. So. So they're not ever getting out. They're never getting Period. out. Period. Not Period. a chance. They both tried to appeal their sentences. Brian argued that there were violations in the trial. He said that his parents weren't present during their interviews, but he signed a waiver. He was read his Miranda rights, and he didn't appear to be tired or upset during the interview. And when he eventually did ask for his um, parents, they, the interview was stopped. So the courts found that everything was done correctly, and Brian lost his appeal. Tori's appeal, this is kind of, um, I don't know, just even more shocking, I guess. Tori's appeal was focused on the fact that he never admitted to stabbing Cassie and that in the video you never hear Tori say that he killed Cassie. You only hear Brian say he killed Cassie. He argues that his counsel was inefficient because they didn't try to suppress evidence that was irrelevant to the case. So this is all because uh, when the cops arrived at his house with a search warrant, it didn't specify to seize anything. And when the investigators took his computer and searched his hard drive, they found evidence of child pornography and animal cruelty. And he felt like this was irrelevant to the case and that it should have been suppressed. However, the court disagreed and his appeal was denied. I'm like, if anything, that's even further proof that you are exactly where you need to be, which is rotting in prison. So though justice was served, Cassie's family struggled to move on after her murder. Cassie's aunt and uncle and cousin suffered greatly after finding her in their home. Her 13-year-old cousin was actually the one who found Cassie and understandably took this so hard and even tried to commit suicide at one point. Cassie's aunt fell into a deep depression, feeling like she was responsible for this. She eventually lost her job. Trying to live in the house where Cassie was murdered proved to be unbearable so they tried to sell the house but the house remained on the market for years because nobody wanted to buy the house where this girl was murdered gosh that sucks there is a documentary on these boys called lost for life and they interview both of the boys and brian seems to be remorseful but tori takes absolutely no responsibility and his parents are also in the documentary and this is back in 2013 so almost seven years ago that this documentary was filmed um, so they but, were 16 when they did this? Mm -hmm. So now they're how old? They're uh, 30. Yeah, in their 30s. Gosh. Tori takes no responsibility for this, and his parents are also in the documentary, and they act like total enablers. They act like Tori is the victim here. And in the documentary, you can see how Tori is still refusing to accept responsibility, but almost smiles like a sociopath. Like he's got his parents totally fooled. Um, but, you know... The stuff on the computer, the action of killing Cassie, like, dude, you're where you need to be. I don't, I don't care what you have to say. You're exactly where you need to be. No so. doubt. So that is the murder of Cassie Jo's daughter. I'm so sorry. I feel like I totally like depressed you. Now you look so sad. Such a downer. I know. Well, that's 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 know, crime for are... you. You crime junkies. This is exactly why I don't like crime stories. I participate in this because. I love Kelly. That's why I participate. Aww. Good Lord, Janice. I mean, these are downers. Well, I'm really sorry. I hope um, you guys all had a great time listening. No, I mean, it's it's <laughs> a good ending in the sense that, you know, they're where they need yeah, to be. They're locked sure. up forever. There's just lunatics in the world. Like, yeah. freaking lunatics. And it's nuts to think how out there people are. Mm-hmm. 
It is really and sad. And this is like, like, think of the Krug Park. I hate even talking about it, but think of that person. Yeah. These people are lunatics that were in St. Joe. Like, these lunatics are everywhere. It's yeah. just messed up. I'll have to talk about that story someday. Um, I have a personal to con- connection to that story that I might not, like, go into detail about if I ever do cover that story. But it is pretty messed up. I mean, there's just sick people in the world. And I think that's part of the reason that I'm intrigued by it because I just I try to wrap my head around it. I try to understand what makes people tick and the reasons that they do these type of things or what they, I can't, I just can't relate. Like that's mm-hmm. what I find so intriguing or interesting about it is that I just can't relate to doing something like that. So yes, they're sad, but I do appreciate the end of the stories when people are brought to justice. That doesn't always happen, which needs to be talked about more because the justice system is so flawed. But in this case, it, it, it did. did what it needed to do. Right. So so if you the, got this far, go buy somebody a coffee or do something good to be a good go person. Go do something nice. That's a really good ending. I like that. Go Venmo Venmo your best friend. $5 for coffee. If you got this far, go Venmo $5 to coffee for somebody and put a smile on your face. Share the podcast. Review it. Subscribe. Go freaking share it again. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back next week with another story. I'm not sure about what We'll be back sometime. It might be tomorrow. It might be next month. It might be next week. Austin might not even be here. He might be totally turned off to this now. But if you have any suggestions on stories that you think I should cover, send me a message at Mama Mystery. Tag us on your Instagram story. Sorry, babe. At Mama Mystery on Instagram. Or if you already follow me on Instagram, you can message my personal page as well. But uh, I love suggestions and tips. And tell me what you got. Give me what you got. Till next week. Till next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.